Welcome to episode 565 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther. And this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. Josh, I am going to bask in us doing two episodes in a row together and take the opportunity to then warn listeners that they're probably not going to hear my voice for a couple of weeks. Right. You are traveling the next couple of weeks. So unfortunately, yeah, it is, it is nice like to, to be the two of us back to back, you know, back to back weeks. It's really good. It's even fewer days in between episodes than usual since we recorded last Thursday instead True. of last Tuesday, True. a very rare Thursday recording. So yeah, it is nice. And, uh, I'll, I'll be sad to not have you next week. Uh, just like I'm a little bit sad tonight that we don't have any listener feedback for the show. Well, actually, that's not true. It's not true. Let me grab my phone. Richard already knows this, but we did get one piece of listener feedback from a friend of mine who sent me a text message. He uh, he always listens like the morning it comes out, uh, and he he texted me to say... I feel a kinship with Richard today. I still have Picasso on my computer and use it to make my <laughs> recital posters. I love that. And I believe that he is using a Windows PC. And and it is true that you can still use Picasso on Windows. It's better at handling old stuff than the Mac is. The Mac just kind of cuts right. stuff off and says, nope, can't use these apps that don't have enough bits anymore. And Windows has been accommodating that for uh, literally decades now. Yeah, it's kind of their thing. Uh, but but before you, you feel a little bit like, uh, I don't know, justified, vindicated by one of our listeners also using this this ancient app. Now, I, I love Dan. He and I have been friends for 20 years or so. But Dan is also the guy who wrote in, I don't know, it was within the last year, I think it was during the pandemic, to say that he had finally purchased an HDTV. So, I mean, in, in terms of like technology adoption, maybe not the guy you really want to be yoking yourself to. Ouch! Ouch! <laughs> wow, I hope you're really good friends, because you're going to owe him an apology after he listens to this episode. No, 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 it's fine. Uh, yeah, so thank you, Dan, for that message. For the rest of you, since most of you don't have my phone number and can't text me, you can shoot us an email at entertainment20 at thedigitalmediazone.com, and I'll probably be nicer to you guys than, than I apparently just was to Dan. So, so good. Dan. <laughs> All right, let's get into some news tonight. A little bit of this is absolutely brand new news. Uh, we're going to start off with some, some Roku news. Some of this is a little bit older. Uh, when we had missed the previous week, a lot of news piled up last week and there was just no way to cover all of it in one show. So a couple of these stories, a little bit older, but we're starting off the show with the latest stuff, and that is that Roku had their big yearly event in just the last couple of days, and they announced new devices and a new version of Roku OS. So let's start with the devices. Uh, so we've got a new version of 
the streaming stick 4k it's not really you know it's not some brand major new thing here it's just an update basically it's got a new processor they say it's about 40 percent faster it's got a better wi-fi chip in it yeah oh yeah yeah anytime these devices are faster that is good because like pcs they feel like they get slower and slower over time so yeah the 40 percent faster is definitely a welcome improvement better wi-fi they say up to twice as fast which is really important when you're trying to stream 4k and they say that it it'll you know get better reception despite the fact that it's stuck behind your giant TV, which is uh, definitely important. They've added HDR 10 plus and Dolby vision. I think these are the two most important things. You know, getting Dolby vision is a really nice thing to have. Uh, And then this also includes their regular voice remote with TV controls. It's keeping its price from, from last year's model at 49.99 and it comes out mid October. Huh. Take that, Amazon. Well, right. I, I, I knew you'd want to take that that jab at them. <laughs> the, the thing that gets confusing, I think, with Amazon's most recent announcement is the the Amazon Fire TV stick that we talked about last week was called, do you remember? I just said it a few minutes ago. No, I don't remember. I already the, don't remember because I think I was silencing <laughs> my phone while you were talking about it. The Fire TV Stick 4K Max. <laughs> okay. So they've, the Roku has a new, a new bundle. It's not really a different device. It's the Streaming Stick 4K Plus, which I think sounds fairly confusing when compared to the Fire TV Stick 4K Max. 4K Max, 4K Plus, sounds like the same thing to me. The only difference between the streaming stick 4K and the streaming stick 4K Plus, both of these are the Roku devices, it's the same device. The only difference is you get their fancy voice remote pro remote control. And we talked about that, I think it was probably last year that the voice remote pro came out. It's a separate standalone remote. It's 30 bucks if you want to buy it. The three main differences between that remote and the regular voice remote is it has rechargeable batteries inside. I think that sucks. I don't want rechargeable batteries inside of my remote control. It has hands-free voice control, so you can just say, hey, Roku, and it'll listen to you without having to push a button down. Some people will like that. And it's got the feature that we've loved about so many Roku remote controls for a long, long time. It has a headphone jack. So normally that remote alone is 30 bucks. If you buy the Streaming Stick 4K+, Plus, you get the streaming stick and the voice remote pro for sixty nine ninety nine, saving you ten bucks. Meaning Seem, seems like a good option. Yeah, well, which which means that basically the normal remote that you would get is a ten dollar remote and this is roughly a thirty dollar remote. This makes sense to me. This is not dissimilar from what they've done in the past, where they have the same device and they bung bundle it with different remotes. They have the the better remote available with some, or you could buy it separately. I like this remote. I like the remote that has the hands-free. I like the remote that has the plug-in jack. I think that is useful for some specific use cases. I don't really care about the chargeable factor. I have Apple TV remotes that you have to plug in to recharge, so that doesn't bother me at all as long as they hold 
a reasonable charge. And it's not something that you have to recharge like every week or something, because that would be ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing I didn't look into is what is the charging port on that remote? Because that's the other thing. I If, if it's going to be rechargeable, I wanted to use the same charging technology as most of the other devices in my house. And at that at this point, that is becoming USB-C. Oh, God, here we go. Here we go. Everything but, needs to be USB-C. Otherwise, it's crap. Well, I'm not saying it's crap. I just don't <laughs> want lots of different chargers and cables hanging around. Yeah, I mean, it's either going to be micro or USB-C. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Roku OS 10.5. A couple of important new features here. First one is voice support for Netflix, Spotify, and most other channels. So you can use the voice controls to say the artist that you want to listen to on Spotify or say the name of the movie you want to watch on Netflix, and that'll just work. Cool. Great. Uh, I'm kind of surprised this wasn't already available on most apps on the Roku, but I don't have a Roku, so I I didn't know that from personal use. They've also uh, integrated a live TV channel guide. Now, don't get super excited and thinking this is your OTA guide or anything like that. No, it's this is free streaming TV like we see on pretty much every other platform, and they've just arranged it into a channel guide like we've seen on so many other platforms. So, I mean, it's a nice comforting thing, I think, for people coming from cable boxes to see uh, TV channels arranged that way. So that's that's a a nice thing to have. Totally, totally. And there's news that Google's going to be doing something very similar, too. So, I mean, everybody's doing it. Yeah, so it makes makes sense. sense. Jinx. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. We are back in junior high. Okay, so. Uh, one other cool feature is they they're expanding how you can use Roku's own speakers and and soundbars with with your Roku. So Roku has had multiple soundbars available for a while. We we talk about them when they're new ones. They also have wireless speakers, like you know bookshelf looking type speakers, and they've got a wireless subwoofer. Now previously, if you wanted to use a soundbar the 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 Roku branded soundbars then that soundbar would work as all of your front channels the center the left and the right all in one speaker but with the new OS if you really want to get discreet if you really want that wide stereo separation you can now use the soundbar only as the center channel speaker and then get two of the regular Roku wireless speakers to use as your left and your right. Then, of course, you can still get two more for your surrounds. And then, of course, the Roku wireless subwoofer, if you want to have a complete standalone, discrete 5.1 setup, all with Roku speakers, you can do that now. And it's, I would think, would give you the best audio experience that you can get with these speakers. It's it starts to add up though when you add in all of those extra speakers. So if you were to get four of those wireless speakers, that's going to set you back three hundred bucks. The Stream Bar Pro, which is their their top of the line one, uh, top of their line sound bar, is one hundred eighty dollars. The wireless sub is one hundred fifty dollars. So that is six hundred thirty bucks just in speakers. It is, but that's way cheaper than say the Sonos Arc 
two plays and a sub. Yeah, that's what, like, a fifth the cost? No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, that that total cost is less than the Sonos Arc. Right, right. Yeah, I, I don't think this is bad at all. I think it's really smart that they're expanding this line. You can do an all-in-brand surround system. And remember, too, that Roku makes TVs, right? So this is not that, well, Roku is on TVs. Roku partners with manufacturers of TVs. So to some extent, this isn't that different from that whole surround TV system that you used to be able to buy in a box that I don't even know if anybody sells anymore. But I I think this is smart. I think this is really smart. You know, it's funny. I was listening to this week's episode of Cord Killers. And before I say this, I will put the disclaimer in that I am a Roku shareholder, like teeny, teeny, teeny little amounts of shares whose votes don't count. But I think that this is smart, smart, smart. I think that they are doing exactly the right thing. I was just kind of baffled by the fact that once again, on Cord Killers, Brian was completely down on Roku saying that they just, you know, that the end is near and uh, I, he doesn't understand what they're doing. They're still in the lead and their stock is doing great. Yeah, I, I'm i with you on that. I, I, I don't know why anyone would think that Roku's on the way out or, or tumbling. I mean... I they're they're not my my preferred option. I I much prefer Android TV or Google TV. Yep. Um I think that I would probably prefer Apple TV. I just don't want to pay for an Apple TV and I'm not nearly in the Apple ecosystem. So that doesn't make as much sense for me. But yeah, I mean Roku's still a great option for for lots of people. And that that streaming stick 4K, it's 50 bucks and it's all the streamer pretty much anybody needs. Yep. Like Roku makes a hundred dollar Roku Ultra, but do you need it? Why? Why? Probably not. Right. Probably not. Not not at this point. Not not if you've got decent Wi-Fi. If you've got good Wi-Fi, then you can stream 4K over Wi-Fi just fine. We still recommend that you hardwire as much stuff as you can in your house, but that's just not a reality for a lot of people. There's one other really, really cool feature in the new Roku OS that I wanted to talk about. So one thing that I think they've supported for a while is that you can plug your headphones in or you know, use headphones with your phone and stream the audio through your phone into, into those headphones, which I think is cool uh, and, and kind of makes up for the people who have a Roku device that, that doesn't have a headphone jack in the remote control, or maybe you just don't have wired headphones anymore. As the phone manufacturers seem to want us to completely get rid of the idea of wired headphones. So they've added a feature. If if you've got Bluetooth headphones paired with your phone, then you're really starting to introduce a lot of lag in in that connection. So you can now use the Roku app on your phone while you're using the Bluetooth headphones paired with your phone to watch TV and then use your phone's camera pointed at the screen and it will fix the audio lag so that you're not hearing things after you're seeing people's mouths move. That's pretty awesome. That's really cool. I mean, if it works, because that just sounds (laughs) like sorcery to me. It does. It does. But uh, like I kind of 
I, I kind of want to try it. Yeah. I, I'm not going to like go and buy a Roku and all that stuff just to be able to try it. But I am curious to see how well that works because, you know, if, if all you ever use Bluetooth for is listening to music, you have no idea how laggy this stuff can be. Like I will occasionally use YouTube videos on my phone while listening. And I want to emphasize listening in while I'm driving my car. I'm not watching the YouTube videos, but like if I'm stopping at the drive through, I will look down at my phone and notice it is a major, major gap between the audio playback and the video just between those two Bluetooth devices. Now, maybe that's just because I have a crappy car stereo, but it, <laughs> it can be really bad. Yeah. It can be really bad. So this is a really nice feature to have. Yeah, this is slick. I think this is a really cool feature. I'll be interested to see if other apps start to offer this capability. You know, this is not the only platform, like you suggested, that suffers from this problem. So it'd be interesting to see if they can do whatever it is they're doing to, you know, sync. Because presumably they're syncing the mouth movement or the place in the video with the place in the audio. So who knows? Um, I love it. I think it's really cool. All right. Well, next up, we have some news from Paramount Plus. And again, I'm going to reference Cord Killers because literally hours after Tom Merritt suggested that probably someday Paramount's going to come out and bundle up their different offerings that they have online, like Paramount Plus and Showtime and maybe even Pluto. Well, sure enough, the next day, that's exactly what they did. <laughs> they announced that you could get Paramount Plus and Showtime together at the free tier, meaning ad-supported tier for the CBS shows at $10 or for $13 for the ad-free tier. Now, this is a pretty good deal because normally Paramount Plus is either 5 or $10 just by itself for the free or, and ad-supported version, not free, for the ad-supported version or the uh, uh, no-ads version. Showtime itself is $11. So, so just think about that math, right? Showtime itself is $11. If you want to add the ad supported Paramount Plus, take a dollar off of that. Right. That's a pretty great deal. <laughs> right? I mean, <clears throat> I don't know what that says about how willing people are to actually pay for Paramount Plus on its own. I might argue that suggests it's not as many people as Paramount might like, but this is a great deal. It is worth noting that I have a similar deal through Apple last year, near the end of the year. They offered a deal where you could package both together for 10 bucks. I pay for that each month. That was not a limited time deal. That was something that they... Uh, continue on each month. I pay just 10 bucks. I justify that as paying for Showtime and getting Paramount Plus for free because I won't pay for Paramount Plus. <laughs> <laughs> and it works for me. So look for those deals too. I would expect that those channel bundling things as channel add-ons are also going to be a thing 
this coming fall since they're offering this. So the one thing to note here is that they've said that this is an introductory price. So they haven't said how long you'll be able to get and retain this pricing and how long it will be available for new subscribers. Right. All right. And one more quick video story. Hulu Plus Live TV has now added 5.1 Dolby Digital Surround to some of their channels. Which ones? I don't know. They haven't actually listed which ones. Uh, <laughs> <have it. laughs> I, I would love to tell you which ones, but they they won't tell me, so I can't tell you. Uh, I mean, you would think that it's most of the broadcast. I don't know. Like I, every time we talk about one of these streaming services providing Dolby 5.1 support in 2021, I'm like, are you serious? You're just now getting 5.1? Well, remember the last time we had that conversation was that Hulu itself was adding 5.1 to its on-demand content. Right. That might not have been the last one. I think the last one was YouTube TV announced this, because I think YouTube TV was just like a month or two ago. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep, yep. (sighs) Yeah, I mean, Netflix and Amazon, they've been doing... Dolby 5.1 in their video on demand content for like 10 years, eight years, at least like forever, basically long time. So it's surprising to me. So it's there now, uh, for some channels, if you've gotten the update by now on, on your devices and with your service, you will know if a channel supports 5.1 audio because you can hear it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, because in the guide, <laughs> there is going to be a little badge underneath the show description that that says it has 5.1 available. But yeah, hopefully you'll also be able to hear the difference. <sighs> okay, let's move on to some audio news. Uh, another c- kind of fast one. I doubt Richard believes me with how many bullet points I have on this. But back on episode 562, we talked about a really nice high-end Sony soundbar. Uh, it was called the HT-A7000. It was a 7.1.2 soundbar that supported 8K and HDR and 4K video at 120 hertz with Dolby Vision. It supported AirPlay 2, Chromecast, Spotify Connect, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, uh, Amazon's voice assistant, Google's voice assistant, all of that stuff. Plus it had two HDMI 2.1 ports. But you are going to pay for that. Right. That sucker was really expensive. It was $1,300. And maybe you're thinking, I want most of those features, but I don't know that I need 7.1.2. It is just a soundbar after all. It's all virtual. I'm sure it sounds good. But how about 5.1.2? Could you give me that? Yes, Sony can give you that. And it is the HT-A5000. It does 5.1.2. That 0.2 is still Atmos for you. Uh, It still does everything else that I just rattled off, except for one other difference. It only has one HDMI 2.1 port on it instead of two. That really only matters if you really need multiple HDMI 2.1 ports, which you probably really only need for a game console. So if you've got a PlayStation 5 and an Xbox Series X, well, 
Maybe you need to shuck out the extra bucks for the bigger one. But the big problem with the 5,000 version and the 7,000, neither of them support variable refresh rate or auto low latency mode. So if you're hearing all of those great features and thinking, or just remembering us talking about it a couple of episodes ago, that this sounds like such a great soundbar for people who want great sound and have these latest high-end gaming consoles. Well, it doesn't support those two features, but again, those only matter if you've got an Xbox because the PlayStation 5 doesn't support variable refresh rate or auto low latency mode. Well, so let, let me, let me, kind of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me qualify that a little bit because you're approaching this as a gamer, right? This only yes. matters if you want to use this for gaming. Exactly. Right. Neither of those features matter at all if you're not a gamer. So if, if all you're looking for is a really, really nice soundbar, then this is probably a really great option for you. And the, you know, having one HDMI port and 5.1.2 does save you $400. This thing is $900, which isn't crazy when it's compared to something like the Sonos Arc. It probably sounds, it probably sounds better than the Arc. That, that would be my guess. I don't know for sure, but I don't know. Sounds good. So there, there's your other option if you're looking for saving a little bit of money, but still want a really high-end soundbar. And you know, go go back and listen to episode 562 if you want the rest of the details. Uh, but they do offer extra surround speakers that, that you can uh, bundle into this that are wireless. They also have uh, two subwoofer options if, if you want that. None of them are low-cost options. These are Sony products. These, these are not low-cost things. All of them cost way more than those Roku devices we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. But it's worth mentioning, Josh, both you and I, I, I believe together in most cases, have done the like isolation booth test with these virtual Atmos soundbars that Sony offers. And they're great. I mean, the sound is phenomenal. Now, granted, anytime they're demonstrating these at a show, they have them in a perfectly configured space that has four solid walls without any breaks, but still the sound is impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And with all of the built-in microphone technology and stuff that'll do the sound calibration, I expect that it's still going to sound really good in your typical living room or home theater at home. So uh, probably worth trying to see if uh, maybe a, a Best Buy Magnolia room or something like that has one of these to go and check out. Uh, but I, I bet it's going to sound really nice in your house if you're willing to shuck out 900 bucks for it, which again, isn't terrible. It's not terrible. All right. Another uh, audio story that I think is really cool. This one even got Jen kind of excited. <laughs> it's that It's that cool. So Spotify is a new feature for playlist that you have made yourself that they're calling enhance. And and what does that enhance do? Well, it looks at the music that you've put in your playlist and suggest a bunch of other songs that you could have in your playlist. And it does this in a really not annoying way. So you open up your playlist on your, your Android or your iOS phone. And at the top of the list is a button called enhance. You tap it. And after every two songs, it adds 
another song that it thinks would make sense with your playlist. Which, by the way, most of the ones that it's been adding to mine, really good songs. It's, it does a really good job of finding the right songs to add to, to your playlist. Now, some of you are control freaks and you're thinking, I don't want you screwing with my playlist. And, and I don't even want to push this enhance button to have you potentially screw it up. You don't have to worry because it puts them in there. And then every song has a little plus button next to it. If you want it to stay in your playlist, you push the plus button. If you don't want it in your playlist, it'll go away. Like just navigate to a different playlist and come back. And those options aren't in there anymore. You can always click enhance again. It'll put the same songs right back in there. Uh, I I think this is really cool. Spotify is really good. I think in a lot of cases at finding similar music to what I want to listen to. And I have found so much new music that I've liked because of Spotify's ability to give me things that I like. So I think I'm going to end up using this a lot. Like this is, this is really cool. That's cool. I like this idea. I don't know that I trust Spotify because you might remember that I left Spotify because if I had this feature, they would probably only recommend Spanish language songs and Christian rock songs because (laughs) I like maybe three times listen to some Ricky Martin songs in Spanish and maybe about as many times listen to a specific Christian rock song that I really liked. And it never forgot that ever, ever, ever. But no, seriously, <laughs> I, I think this is a really cool idea. I think this is very similar to the whole, you know, R- uh, Richard's playlist or put your name here playlist that different services offer, but it's built on your own stuff and then adding on top of that, which I think is really smart. Yeah. And, and let me tell you the, the coolest use case that I've come up with so far. I have a playlist that I made called Remembering the 90s. I was a teenager in the 90s. Pretty much everybody thinks that music was best when they were a teenager. I agree. Music was best in the 90s. Totally in the 80s. Yep, I agree. (laughs) So I've got what I think is a pretty great Remembering the 90s playlist. So I thought, oh, I got to see what Enhance does. And it did. Like every song that it added, I was like, oh, yeah, I totally should have added this to this playlist. So... You know, I mean, that's that's like the perfect scenario. You're, you're trying to build a, a decade based playlist or something like yeah, that. It was that's great. It was really good. All right. Move, let's move on to a little bit of gaming news. Uh, this one is also kind of fast and I am actually kind of excited about it, despite the fact that it sounds lame on the surface. Microsoft is testing in one of the insider rings the ability using HDMI CEC for your TV remote. To control your Xbox. And I don't just mean like turn it on or turn the volume up or things like that, because that's not actually controlling your Xbox, right? I actually mean controlling the interface on your Xbox. The super obvious use case is, oh yeah, I use Netflix on my Xbox or something like that, right? That makes total sense. And I think a lot of people will really like this. There's another use case that I would use this for all the time, installing games. Mm. installing games takes forever. Yep. Like I have a regular Sunday night gaming session with some friends of mine and we decided to play a new game this weekend and I forgot to get it installed. Like I had planned to install it like Friday and didn't think about it until Sunday afternoon. Got a text. I'm laying on the couch and I'm like, man, 
got to get up to get the controller to install this thing. Well, I, I wish I didn't have to get up off the couch right now. I could just use my remote. I couldn't. <laughs> Don't worry. I didn't get up off the couch. I had my kid go and get me the controller. <laughs> But this would save both of us having to go and get the controller for for something like this. So I'm really excited about this feature. I I can't wait to have it. And things don't don't take too long to become uh, to to be released to the public when they're in uh, the the insider ring testing. So I, I would think within the next month or two, everyone will be able to do this on their Xbox as long as you've got you know, a TV that does a decent job of supporting HDMI CEC. Have you noticed, Josh, how we went from everybody picking on CEC for being such crap to nearly every device you have just kind of quietly incorporating it over time? I am shocked that I can control my Apple TV, my Google TV, not my TiVo yet, unfortunately, for some stupid reason. Don't know why. From my TV that's on the wall that I'm looking at right now. It's just all from their remote. And granted, I don't have all the features, but it's awesome. And it works. It does work. And the reason we gave the HDMI body so much crap and all of the device manufacturers so much crap uh, for the terrible implementation of CEC is this isn't new. HDMI True. CEC was a standard that was released over 10 years ago, I think. Yeah, no. <laughs> right. And True. it didn't get good until like a couple of years ago. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, it, it is nice to finally have it, but it just it just took way too long to get to where it is now. Totally agree. All right, one more gaming story, and that is from Luna. Pausing for dramatic effect there while everybody scratches their brains and says, wait, what's Luna again? That is <laughs> Amazon's game streaming service, similar to Google Stadia, similar to uh, Xbox Cloud Gaming, that sort of service. Luna, just to to kind of remind you of the service, uh, one of the things they do is similar to Google Stadia. They've got their own controller that connects directly to the service over Wi-Fi. So you're not like pairing your controller over Bluetooth to the streaming device, your controller is connected over Wi-Fi and it, and it works. I've heard that it works really well. I I don't have a Luna controller. So a a couple of new things that they're working on, they're trying to entice more people to, to buy Luna, of course. And so they've introduced a couple of new bundles, one with that brand new fire TV stick, 4k max that we talked about last week. It's regularly 55 bucks. You can get a bundle of that device with a Luna controller for 99 bucks, which I should have looked up the price of Luna controller. I think it's about 60 bucks. So you're definitely saving some money there. They've also got bundles of their tablets because uh, just uh, within the last week, they've started supporting Luna on the Fire HD tablets and uh, Chromebooks, I, I believe too. So you can get a Fire HD 10 or a Fire HD 8 tablet paired with one of these controllers. 156 bucks for the 10 inch tablet, 116 bucks for the eight inch tablet. Again, nice offerings there, especially a good option if you want to give that to like your kid to play with or something like that. But the other really cool feature that they've added here that none of the other competitors have, and that's the nice thing when we've actually got something cool and innovative to talk about with all of these copycat services, is 
called Luna Couch. And the idea here is we've got all of these games that we refer to as couch co-op games, the games that you could play with somebody else when you're sitting on the couch together on the same TV instead of online multiplayer. Well, sometimes the people you want to play games with can't be on your couch. Maybe COVID, maybe they live in another state. You know, there's lots of reasons for that. Well, with Luna Couch, they're allowing you to play couch co-op games over the internet. That's cool on its own that they they give you that ability to do that. What's even cooler is that they don't require your friend to be a paying Luna subscriber. And that's what's unique here, right? Because you could argue that multiplayer games give you the ability to play like a couch game with somebody who isn't on your couch. But the fact that you don't have to pay to be a co-player on this game is really cool. It's really cool. And and that, I, I think, is is a really good opportunity to get people to spread the word about Luna. Hey, friend of mine who doesn't have a game console at all, but, you know, we used to play video games together back in college or, you know, something like that. Y- you want to play this game with me? All, all you need is a, a bl- like, you don't have to use a Luna controller. You can use a Bluetooth controller, uh, pair it up to your computer or some of these other streaming devices. And to have it not cost them anything, that that's the sort of experience that that's going to get people to sign up for the service. So I think this is a really, really smart play. Yeah, it, it's cool. It's funny because I totally fell for the what's Luna again thing. <laughs> I had completely forgotten. Yeah, I, I never hear gamers talking about it. And, and this is the sort of thing that could get some more of the, the casual people checking it out um, because their friends ask them to check it out with them. I wonder free. if this competes more with something like Apple Arcade than, say, the the major consoles like PlayStation and Xbox. Well, you can play major console games on it. So it, oh, okay. it's not it's right. not just casual games. Interesting. All right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's super cool. All right, well, that does it for the news. So let's jump into what's going on in our entertainment centers. All right, I'll start us out as usual. And I just have to say this. I can't believe I'm saying this, but the last episode of Ted Lasso sucked. It was so weird and so uncomfortable and so just off the normal storyline and they tried to get you interested in it, but it just didn't work for me. And I've talked to a couple of people who feel exactly the same way. I'm really surprised by this because they have had an amazing season so far. So they tried to do one of those episodes that's kind of, you know, off to the side and it's a different storyline and you see how it all ties in at the end. It just didn't work for me. So don't I'm know what they were thinking. Interrupt because we've also been watching Ted Lasso. And we made it through all of season one. We watched the first episode of season two. And I I didn't think season two, episode one was the greatest. And I think I said when this season started that it, the beginning of the season just didn't feel like it had the grab Mm. that the first season had. It gets there. It gets there very quickly. Okay. But, but yeah, I just this this was a 
this is a complete loss as far as I'm concerned. This was a waste of an hour of my time. Wow. And I don't say that very often when I'm no. watching television. I stick with series that I don't even like. <clears throat> we won't get into what I just watched recently that was animated that I didn't enjoy. But the good news is that they won seven Emmys for this show this past weekend. And I think they're well-deserved. It, it's a fantastic, fantastic show overall. Did you watch can, the Emmys? I will get to that. I have been watching Big Brother, which has been really good this season. And I love that we're at the point where now everybody on the team is going to make history. Everybody on the team has the opportunity to be the first person of color to ever win Big Brother. And that is amazing. So really enjoying that. We have been enjoying the last, most recent season. I don't think it's the last as like as in final, but the most recent season of what we do in the shadows. And it sucks to be caught up on stuff because now I can't watch more episodes when we really liked the one we just watched. Same is true with Lower Decks. I'm finally caught up on that and I'm out of new episodes to watch there. I did, however, watch the mayor of Easttown, the first episode of Mayor of Easttown, not the mayor, just Mayor of Easttown. And I watched that because I watched the Emmys. And two or three shows basically stole all the awards at the Emmys. The Crown, Ted Lasso, and Mayor of Easttown. <laughs> so I wanted to see what this was all about. This is something that I've seen the promotions for it, I don't even remember if it's on Netflix or Hulu specifically, but it stars Kate Winslet. It takes place in Pennsylvania, where I grew up. Not quite as rural as this is, but I'm really hooked by the first episode. It's only six or seven episodes long. I am fully planning to follow through on this. I enjoyed it. Yes, I did watch the Emmys. It was a slog. It was weird. They did it in a tent what? so that they could claim to be outside, <laughs> even though it was entirely enclosed. Yeah, that's that's not how that works, folks. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and it was tables like the old style Emmys, as opposed to a big, huge audience in the big, huge Kodak theater. So it was different than usual, but it was a slog. And I'm sorry, I I ranted about this on Twitter, and I just can't get past the fact that we can't call them miniseries anymore. They they are now limited or anthology series or movies. Okay. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how many people tripped on that. On stage, trying to give the award. It was ridiculous. I watched the first episode of The Morning Show, season two. Very excited that is back. That's another Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus series. It is very good. The first episode of season two was very good. Looking forward to more. And season four of New Amsterdam starts tonight. So I will probably be watching that. On the music front, and I don't really talk about music that often, but I noticed today that the new No Time to Die soundtrack, the new Bond soundtrack, is composed by Hans Zimmer. Who? I'm just kidding. What? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So I pre-ordered it. So 
you you know what that means. That means I bought digital copies of this album because I anticipate liking it so much that I want to have my own. Yep. Yep. I still do that. And then finally, I am about 60% of the way through Project Hail Mary and really, really loving it. It is stealing my time away from other stuff that I enjoy. So, uh, yeah, loving it and hope to finish that this coming weekend. Okay. Well, so for me, I played just a little bit of Call of Duty. Actually, that's not entirely true. I played a little bit of Call of Duty after playing a little bit of Hunt Showdown. That's the game that I was trying to install on Sunday to play with my friends. It was one of those games that was having a free weekend on Xbox and I was like, hey guys, we should check this out. I've been really interested in this. And so we all downloaded this 38 gigabyte game and we all played through the uh, introduction that you have to play before you can do multiplayer. And then we found out that it's squads of three people and there are four of us. Whoops. Sorry, guys. And so we all (laughs) immediately uninstalled (laughs) that 38 gig game that we had just downloaded. Uh, Maybe I should have read a little bit more about the game before I told them to install it. Uh, So in terms of what I have watched, I finished uh, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan season two. Looking forward to a season three. Uh, It it was good. I already already mentioned that we're uh, up through episode one of season two of Ted Lasso. Of course, loved uh, the way season one ended. It's really, really good. I have to ask you, do you have a favorite episode from season one? Because I'm conflicted between two. Ooh. Hmm. I haven't really thought about it like that. So so what are the two that, that you're conflicted between? And yes, I actually know their names. So Make Rebecca Great Again, which is the episode where they go out to the karaoke bar. Okay. Yep. And the Diamond Dogs which is the dart game episode. Yes. Those are both very good episodes. They're very good episodes. Yeah. Love them. I I, I think they are the absolute best of the season and bring out the best in the characters that you care about. Right. For sure. Yep. Those are good. Uh, We also went to the movie theaters and saw Shang-Chi. Holy crap. I know. You know, it's, it's a weird world right now, Richard. I'm not sure if you knew that, but uh, <laughs> this, this movie's been in theaters for, what, two weeks? Maybe three weeks? Like, not that long. And we went on Saturday night at 6.30 p.m. Like, that should be prime movie-going time, right? And I, it, it was a reserved seating theater. I bought tickets online. I had a time probably four hours before the movie. And when I went to buy the tickets, it looked like every seat was available. And I'm like, there's no way every seat is available. I think every seat was available. Uh, there were maybe 20 people in the entire theater. It was weird. I I mean, I've obviously never been in a practically empty theater for a new Marvel movie, but I was pretty happy about it this time. <laughs> so I could do that. Right. Right. I could totally do that. Yeah, I mm. I had a coworker who said he went um, on a it was a matinee showing, but it was opening weekend, and he said it it was probably twenty people in the theater. So wow, it 
maybe not as bad of a time to go see movies in theaters as you originally thought. Yeah. Unfortunately, our local Bowtie Cinema, which was my favorite, that was the one that had like these big, huge aisles and the electric recliner seats and everything, they closed. Mm. So now I have to go to the mall, which I suspect is probably more crowded. I don't know. Probably. I might have to look into that. Yeah. So the movie is really good. Really good. Now, I I did make sure to get Jen's opinion because most of our listeners know that I'm not super big on Marvel movies. Jen likes them way more than I do. And we walked out of it and I said, all right, cool. That's my new favorite Marvel movie. And she was like, seriously? Like, well, yeah. I mean, that's A, it's not saying that much. B... I love kung fu movies, and it's basically a kung fu movie. I think that the final battle scene could have been better, but man, there were so many other like amazing fight scenes and stuff, but they were amazing because they were amazing kung fu fight scenes. So I I loved it. Um, You know, I I loved the... it's it's hard to get too excited about you know the the level of like asian culture and stuff that they have in the movie because and this isn't really a spoiler most of the movie is has to do at least it's related to a village that's in another universe it just happens to be filled with actors who are asian (laughs) so uh so it doesn't have to stick that closely to true asian culture but you know when when it's like the the Shang Chi character here in the United States and stuff, that that felt that felt pretty good. Aquafina's in it; she's hilarious. Uh, she plays her role really well. Uh, I really liked the movie. Uh, Jen also really liked it. I said, "All right, you got you got to rate it for me. Everybody's going to want to know where does it stand amongst all of the other Marvel movies." She also might be a little different from your average Marvel fan. Uh, this kind of surprised me. She said that her she said this falls in the top three. She would not be able to rate the top three, though. And the other two for her are Black Panther and Doctor Strange. And I don't think most people have Doctor Strange in in their, like, top three list. For me, Doctor Strange was my favorite also. But that, for me, it was because it had a lot of, like, Matrix kind of vibes for me. And I freaking love the Matrix. Right. So... Yeah, she she puts it up there with with those two as as being in her top three. Interesting, because you like Doctor Strange is why I expected that you would like this film because they have ties. But right. I I wouldn't have expected her to like that as one of her top three. That's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Someday, maybe we'll have her on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, had, I had a coworker who who messaged me today and said uh, he he listens to the show and he's like, "Hey, did you ever back that that Kickstarter for the for the Sofa Badan X One?" And I said, "No, I keep forgetting to." So I went and did that. <laughs> so uh. this is only the it's actually the third Kickstarter that I've ever funded. Uh, one was for VLC on Windows 8, I think it was. Do you remember that? Like forever ago? That that was a Kickstarter? Wow, I do remember that. 
Yeah, I had completely forgotten about it until I, I logged in. I totally remember that. And then I remember how there were all of these like VLC knockoffs mm-hmm. on Windows 8. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was one. And the the other one that I did was a uh a Bluetooth and Wi-Fi meet thermometer before meter was even a thing uh that I still use all the time. Every time I smoke meat. So was that Loki? Yes, that was Loki. Correct. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. From from our friends over in Washington. Unrelated to something I forgot to mention, which is that we forget we finished the series Loki. Oh. <laughs> Spelled the same way. Spelled the same way. <laughs> Jen watched some of that and she was like, mm, nah, and didn't even finish it. It was weird. It had good moments. It had bad moments. The season finale was weird, but it ended well. Mm. And we enjoyed it. Cool. So, yep. All right. Well, that is it for what's going on in my entertainment center. And that's it for this show. So if you want to get a hold of us, you can you can find us on Twitter at Richard Gunther, at Josh Pollard, at DigiMediaZone, and all the rest of the contact information is over at the website www thedigitalmediazone.com where you can also find Richard's other podcast called Home On. When is that latest episode going to be available? Any day now. Any day now. My editor is open. I am working on getting this out any day now. Any day now. Probably not tonight since you said you're going to go watch New Amsterdam tonight. Yeah, no, I had a day. I need to just, (laughs) yeah, not today. I get it. All right, and we're we're back this week doing doing the live thing. We normally, usually, sometimes do the show live Tuesdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Follow us on Twitter to know for sure when it's going to be. Once you make it over to Twitch to watch us, you could subscribe there. It'll also notify you once we've gone live. And hopefully we will see you again soon for the next episode because that's going to do it for episode 565. He's Richard Gunther. And I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. See ya in like a month. Ouch. For me. Sad. Tears. Tears. Sad, sad, sad.